Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Church, as we, uh, as we step into and uh, continue in on our series called Questions on the Journey to the Cross, uh, we look at the ways in which God uh, brings us along in the journey by asking us strategic questions along the way. We see these all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, um, all, all questions that lead us into deeper relationship, into deeper discipleship with Him. And so, uh, so today, uh, I believe that questions help us to get to know one another, uh, help us uh, to draw into community. And so I had you guys last week uh, ask a few questions um, on, the, on the cards, and uh, the offer is still open. If you have any questions, that you can, you can write down some questions and, uh, and, then, and we'll, we'll process through them either on social media or uh, here on, on Sunday morning. Um, I had some great questions come out. Uh, I, have, I have a whole stack full of questions about me uh, because I'm, I'm hoping to get to know you guys. Uh, this is my second week as a, a lead pastor in the Vine. And so, uh, so you guys had some great questions. Uh, one, of, one of the great questions that I'm not going to be able to get to today is uh, what's the most amount of weight that you've ever lifted with a squat? Um, and uh, I mean, that's a great question. It's valid. Or uh, if a hen and a half lays an egg and a half in a day and a half, how long would it take for a monkey with a wooden leg to kick the seeds out of a dill pickle? I mean, that's a great question. Uh, one that I've never pondered. Uh, I'm going to have to go to God in, uh, in discernment over that one because uh, I'm, not really quite, I'm not quite sure uh, where to take that answer. Um, but a couple questions that I want to get into, um, just a, a couple good questions, uh, and there were a lot more that uh, I hope to, to dive into later. Uh, but one was, what is your favorite book? movie or TV show? Uh, and for me, uh, other than the Bible, right, because I'm a pastor and I have to say the Bible. Actually, I, I, I truly do think this is my favorite book. It's the most fascinating, intriguing, uh, most beautifully put together, interwoven uh, uh, book in the history of time and also the most influential book in the history of time. And so I, I love it. It's, it blows me away every day. But outside of the book, uh, I love, I love uh, action novels. I'm a huge uh, Jack Reacher fan. Anybody seen Jack Reacher on, uh, I think, I don't remember what, what channel that was on. But they have a, there's a book series. It's like 25 books, really good books. Um, I love Jack Reacher. I also love um, any novel or any, any book that like challenges the way that I think and challenges like uh, my, my habits. Uh, a book that has been really influential was um, a book called uh, Why We Sleep. Change, changed my attitude towards sleep. I went to bed last night at like 8.45. It was like, it was, it was life-changing, right? Uh, thanks be to God, I, I went to bed at 8.45 because I forgot that this morning I was gonna be waking up uh, an hour earlier than, than anticipated. So uh, anybody who's here, uh, you beat the clock um, and you uh, or fully trusted your iPhone, one or the other. Uh, 
Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, my favorite, honestly, my favorite TV show is the opening weekend of March Madness. Um, Thursday and Friday of March Madness is like something special. It's like, I mean, I usually have like an iPad, a TV, and another screen open, like watching three different games at a time, and they're bringing up the, the, the closest game, and you get to see these like kids who have never had a moment on, on screen, and they're living like their dream. It's, it's, the, it's the best, best two days of TV out there, uh, I, I have to believe. Um, other than that, like The Office, I can always go back to The Office uh, the Good Place is a, is a, a big fan. I'm a big fan of that one. Uh, sometimes when I'm uh, just just have nothing going on, I, I like to go back and watch some old Seinfeld, um, big Seinfeld. But my first my first binge show was 24. Um, anybody any 24 fans? Yes, yes. That was the first show that I was like, I have to see the next episode, right? Uh, podcast. My favorite podcast. Anything to do with the Chiefs, um, even in the off season. And uh, The Bible Project, uh, it's such a good podcast to help understand, understand what in the world is happening in this book because it's so complex, so big. But these, these two uh, theologians, they kind of break it down in such a beautiful way. Bible Project, go look it up. Incredible. Uh, one episode will, will open up your mind to, to the scripture, I guarantee it. Um, so pretty cool. Uh, the second question that I got was, um, what drew you into ministry? Uh, and what did that journey look like for you? And so what, it actually kind of ties into our sermon today. And so, um, so uh, what drew me into ministry? Well, it, uh, I can say that it wasn't the salary. Um, <clears throat> but what drew me into the ministry was, uh, was the Holy Spirit. Um, absolutely the Holy Spirit. Because my plan and intention for my career path, my life, was, um, was I wanted to make as much money as I can so that I can give to the church. And that was kind of my caveat. God, if you'll bless me as much as possible in business and help me to be successful in business, then I will, I'll, I'll, I'll give back a lot, like even more than 10%, God, you know? Uh, and so that was like my dream for, uh, I wanted to be a minister in the, in the workplace too. And like I had that, that kind of ministry mind, like God had instilled that, but that wasn't anything close to my, my understanding of what, where I was going and what my calling was. Um, but it was the Holy Spirit that met me at summer camp um, after my sophomore year of college, um, after I'd already started my major and been into my major uh, two years, and uh, God hit me in the middle of, of summer camp, being tired, broken down, um, working for nonstop for two months, 24-7. Uh, if anybody's worked uh, as a counselor at summer camp, you know, it's exhausting. And I was in the, in the infirmary in the nurse's station because my body had literally said enough and had shut down. I had what they called a camp crud. And, uh, and I was sitting there like miserable, like shaking with like the, the fever and all that. And yet in that moment, I felt more joy than I had ever experienced because I knew that the energy that I had spent um, was eternal. And the energy that I'd spent would echo throughout eternity. Um, and so uh, that was when God really kind of shook my soul and said, this is where I'm leading you. This is what I've been calling you to. Um, and as, as, a, as I went back home, I had to kind of flesh that out and figure out what that looked like. And so we'll, we'll dive into, into that a little bit. Before we, before we get into, uh, into scripture, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Moses' life uh, in this, this kind of pivotal moment after he's, he's entered into, uh, he's been at the burning bush. He had this conversation with God and God like struck his heart and said, hey, I'm, I'm calling you to go and free the Israelites from the grips of Pharaoh. Um, 
And Moses is kind of wrestling with God in the midst of that, that huge, insurmountable calling. Uh, Moses, uh, in his backstory, I mean, he is, he was a, you remember, he was a, an infant sent down the river uh, because they were killing all the infants because Pharaoh was scared of this uprising that might happen in the Israelite ranks. And so he was trying to cut it off at the head. And, and then he, he ends up adopting uh, this, this young boy that ends up uh, at the, the gates of, of Pharaoh's temple. And um, they adopt him. And this, this guy, Moses, born an Israelite, raised by, by Pharaoh, by, by the Egyptians, uh, becomes kind of this this messenger of God. And so as we, as we dive into the word, kind of know that backstory. He's been, uh, he, he killed a, uh, a Israel or a um, Egyptian guard uh, who was torturing a, an Israelite. Uh, he was banished and exiled and fled into the Midian uh, wilderness. He's been wandering the Midian wilderness for 40 years before he comes to this place at the burning bush. And we see uh, this response um, in conversation with God. And so let's, let's pray. Let's, let's go to God before we dive into the word of God. God, uh, may you go b- between my mouth and these ears. God, we placed this altar in the front of the, of the place where the sermon is given because you stand between the words of my mouth and the, and the, the hearing of, of the, the gospel and the hearts of the people. God, you are, um, you are working in the midst of this space. And so, God, we, we pray that as we dive into your word, God, that you would open our hearts, God, that you would uh, reveal your goodness to us, that we would, uh, like the, the Hebrew writer says, that our hearts would be pierced, that the living and active word of God would go before, would convict us, would challenge us, would, would transform our hearts and minds. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we bring to you um, this offering. Amen. Amen. So as we dive into the word, uh, we're in uh, Exodus chapter 4, starting in verse 1. So Moses answered, this is right after the burning bush. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Notice the first question. And Moses said, a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. I can imagine that scene, right? Threw it on the ground, ha! Right? It just took off, like, it just beeline the other direction. I'd be terrified if that happened to me. Um, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. I'd be like, heck no, absolutely I'm not touching that thing. So Moses reached out and he took hold of the snake and he turned back, it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, this is so that they may believe that the Lord of the God of, the, of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside of your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside the cloak and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. Leprosy is a disease that had no cure. It had become as white as snow. And now put it back in your cloak. He said, so Moses put it back into his cloak and when he took it out, it was restored like the, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they don't believe these two signs or listen to you, take some of the water from the Nile and pour it onto dry ground. The water that you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And Moses said to the Lord, uh, pardon, 
your servant, uh, I see all of that. That's great. But um, I've never been eloquent, neither in, my pa- in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Moses, who gave human beings their mouth? Who gave them, who made them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, "Uh, pardon your servant uh, one more time. Please send someone else, right? (laughs) I love that. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak well and he is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put, wor- put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. You say, thanks be to God. This idea of calling, right? This is Moses stepping uh, into this space of calling. God has put this call on Moses' life and Moses is pushing back. For us, I think oftentimes the idea of calling feels pretty big. It feels uh, intimidating. It feels like vocation. It feels like changing the course of our existence, the course of our lives in a completely different direction. But I think as we look into this text, I think that calling is a minor shift into God's current trajectory in your life. What do you mean minor shift? Right, Moses goes from being a shepherd out in the wilderness to freeing all of God's people from the hands of Pharaoh. That's not a minor shift. Right? That's a complete change in his whole trajectory of his life. What do you mean a minor shift? Friends, I think if God is calling, then where you have been and where you're going is all part of the greater trajectory of the story that God is already in. Where we have been and where we are going, where God has called us to, is all part of this, this plan that God has had for us, this this trajectory that God has already been working in our lives up to that place. So maybe, maybe there be, might be a moment of change, but it's part, it's, a, it's part of us stepping into the trajectory of God's story. This is God's desire for us as the body of Christ. None of us are excluded from this, this idea of calling. All throughout the Bible, God is calling his people into the story. For, uh, Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's been searching all throughout the world, looking at the hearts of man. And for those who are committed, he, he, his greatest desire is to pull you into his story and to strengthen you in that. 1 Corinthians 3.9, uh, Paul says, for, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. God is calling us into the story that's already existing. 
So how does our passage today equip you and I to step into God's story? Number one, I think that uh, God is calling us to use what is in our hands. Right? God asks Moses the question, what do you have in your hand? Right? The staff is nothing significant. Everybody carried a staff, especially if you were a shepherd, you, you had a staff. But a staff was, uh, even for an older person walking, right? It, the staff just was something that supported you. Uh, it wasn't anything special, but it was something that God had given him. And he said, God, he said, Moses, what's in your hand? I can use that. Church, what's in your hand? I can use that. What's going on in your story? I can use that. What's, what's the, what are the gifts that you have? What are the strengths you have? What are the talents that you have? I can use that for the kingdom and for the glory of God. This seems to, uh, to, to be more than just the staff. This question, what's in your hand, I think, is, I think for us is even more than just the thing that we have in our hand. I think it's, it's a, a narrative all the way back to what God's been doing in the rest of our story. If we look at what, what has equipped Moses up to this point, uh, we would look at it and say Moses is maybe the only one who is equipped for this work. Even though he is, doesn't have all of the, the gifts, he might not be eloquent in speech, he might not feel called to this, uh, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, the only person that's really equipped to do this was the one that grew up in Pharaoh's household, that understands the plight of the Jews, that was born a Jew but raised under Pharaoh. Maybe the only person who is equipped to lead Israelites out of, out of captivity and in through the Midian wilderness is the one who's been wandering the Midian wilderness for the last 40 years, tending sheep. Not something that, that Moses desired about his story, not something he wanted to happen, but something that God was already stirring way back then to prepare him for what God is calling him to now. Was there anyone more adequately equipped than Moses? I see this in my own call story. As I, uh, my first job in ministry was in Livingston, Texas, um, at Livingston United Methodist Church. I wasn't a, a Methodist before that, uh, but I was like, all right, well, I guess I gotta figure out what this Methodist thing is uh, before I go in this interview. And so, um, so I began to kind of, kind of dig in a little bit. And uh, when I get to the interview, uh, they're like, oh, and by the way, um, you're gonna lead us in worship tonight. And I'm like, I've never led worship before, right? Uh, so how am I gonna be the one that leads us in worship? But, uh, but back when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, God, I, I picked up the guitar because I thought I could pull chicks, right? Because I thought it'd be a great way for, for, for people to, to, for the girls to look at me and be like, oh man, he plays guitar, this is great. Uh, and so uh, it, it didn't work, by the way. Um, but, uh, but then my, uh, my junior year in college, uh, I started playing and singing quite a bit because, um, because I was in a talent show at our school and sang Wonderwall before the whole student body, and, uh, which is such a jam, right? Um, Go-to karaoke song for sure. Uh, but, uh, but I started playing guitar and singing in pre preparation for that. And so God had been working this. It wasn't so that I could get a job in youth ministry, but God had been preparing me even before I was ready. Um, God, God gave me, uh, I, I, was in, uh, I said I was in business uh, school and, 
at, at the school that I went to, and uh, when I first got to, to Livingston, they were like, it's a blank slate. Um, we, we have this, this ministry going on, but um, it's yours to kind of figure out. And one of the things I loved about my business degree was the consulting side of it and figuring out, like, um, looking at big picture and seeing where, does, where, do, where are the stop gaps, where are the throughputs, where, where can we help um, gain efficiency, and where can we uh, utilize the, the skills and the gifts of the people around so that uh, we can plug them into the right spaces. That was, that was my degree plan, and God was using that in a, in a dramatic way, even though I was... Uh, it was a, seemed to be a totally left, left field switch from what I, where I was, where I was called to, where I was going. Oh, and uh, by the way, I was in charge of small groups as well. Uh, but God, and I didn't, uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of training in it, but uh, my freshman year of, of college, God asked me, called me to be a small group leader for a bunch of uh, high school guys. And so for four years, I was, I was leading small groups and had a, uh, an insight into how to do that. See, God was preparing my story even before I ever stepped into ministry, even before I knew that I had a call to ministry, he was preparing me for ministry. Friends, God will use whatever is in your hand. Whatever cards you've been dealt in your life, God will use that for the calling that is before you if you trust in him. It doesn't always happen that the, your junior year, you're playing in front of your college and then all of a sudden you're leading worship. For Moses, it was 40 years. For Moses, it was a long period of waiting to see how those gifts, how those past experiences, how the brokenness in his past would come to fruition in, in, in his new experience, his new calling, the new direction that God had put in his life. 40 years of waiting in the wilderness. Sound like any other time in Israelites' history, 40 years of waiting in the wilderness, God, God was preparing Moses even for that and the waiting. Second thing I think we see in Scripture is found in verse 11, but God is the actor in our ministry and not you. If we look at back at verse 11, God is reminding Moses, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Moses, let me remind you that this calling that I'm giving you is not you. I'm the one who does these things. I am the one who has power. I am the one here who is in control. Man, I think this is the hardest one for, for many of us. I know it is for me. Right, we live in this, this world of, of metrics. We live in this world of, of YouTube, right? Where I can search anything and figure out how to do it, right? I've, I've done a, a few plumbing projects at our house um, based off of YouTube. And then I've had to call a guy and, and the, back of, the back of his shirt said, um, said, we're the guys that fix what your husband fixed on YouTube. <laughs> Humbling, but true. Right? We, we think that we can just figure it out. In our own power, in our own strength, we are capable of anything. And I can, I can get this thing done. Right? We're, uh, we're about to move our, our house. And uh, we, we live in Mills Branch right now. And uh, we're moving down to Kings River. Uh, because we, we don't have like a real great space to, to entertain. And we want our house to be uh, a space that we can gather people and um, do fellowship. And, and we'd love to have you over, uh, all of you. Just come on over. Uh, but the centerpiece of our house is, uh, is kind of our dining room table. And we want that to be, in, and we have an Ikea table right now. 
And so we're looking at like, uh, at getting a, like a kind of the centerpiece of, of our house table. And um, we've been looking at different things. And, um, and I was like, Abby, I, I think I can build this table, right? It's going to be like the masterpiece. And I have this, uh, this image in my mind. I, I go to this thing. It's one of these, uh, these, these tables that's like, um, it's like this resin uh, epoxy table. And I'm like, oh, I can totally do this, right? And I've talked to like three or four people and they're like, don't even try to do that. But I've seen some really good YouTube videos and they, they do it in like 20 minutes, right? Uh, this, is, this is cake, right? I got this. I got this. I can do this. Right? I'll, I'll let you know how this uh, project progresses. My wife is on the other end of the spectrum uh, from me on this. So uh, we'll, see. we'll see who wins out here. But friends, I think, I think oftentimes in our, in our understanding of a calling, it's a thing of pride. And we think of what we are capable of. And oftentimes, I think that we shrink God's vision for our lives to fit what we think is attainable or realistic. You see, Moses is, I love Moses' story because there's no possible way that Moses can do the task that God has put before him. Like this task is absolutely impossible. It is insurmountable. It is ridiculous for Moses to even think that he can accomplish this, right? He's, he's asking Moses to, to go into a place where he has been exiled to a place where he is, has murdered someone, where the punishment on his life is, murder, is, is death. He's asking him to go into that place, convince a, a, a Pharaoh to release his maybe million plus workforce that's free labor, who's building his kingdom, which is literally the, the, the most important thing for a Roman or for an for Egyptian ruler, is to build your kingdom, right? That's how they gain fame and, and, for, and, and, uh, and, and change their legacy, right? And so Moses is asking to take this workforce, set them free, and I'm gonna give you nothing in return. This task is absolutely impossible. But we're reminded, and God reminds Moses that God is the actor and not you. Oftentimes, I think we shrink God's plan to fit our budget. We shrink God's vision for our lives to fit our capabilities, to fit what we believe is attainable, what we think is realistic. But God in the midst of that says, I am the actor of your story and not you. If you trust in me, then I will take you where you can't even go. And I will show you the way. I will lead you to it and I will lead you through it. Don't shrink my vision for your life so that it fits your capacity. Instead, trust that God is who he says he is. Trust that God is the writer of this story. The third thing I think we see in our text comes from verse 14. If God is calling you, then he has already gone before you in victory. In verse 14, we see this, uh, we see Moses with God saying, please send someone else. And then God reminds Moses, he burns with anger against Moses and he says, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak well. And he is already on his way to meet you. 
It wasn't like, like Moses had this conversation with God and as a result of this conversation with God, I'm gonna now go have a conversation with Aaron and have a, see, if, see if he's okay with coming here. No, Moses, had, uh, Moses, before that conversation had even happened, God had already been in the ear of Aaron and has already sent Aaron into that space. God was already at work even before Moses denied his calling. You see, God knows exactly what we need in our calling to lead us forward because God has already been there. Because God has already been victorious in that space. Paul says that that God leads us in triumphant victory. He leads us in a parade into town, in, in a victory parade into town because he's already been victorious before we've ever stepped on the battlefield. You see, God is so much bigger, so much greater than us. He is already on his way to accomplish the biggest hurdles that we see in our calling. All throughout Moses' story, God has been working ahead. And when we understand our calling, when we understand our calling, We must lean in with that kind of trust. I'm gonna close with this. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. God's greatest desire is for you to join him in the work of ministry. Verse 15 and 16. uh, Yeah, verse 16 says says, he will speak to the people for you uh, no, back to 15. You shall speak to him and put words into his mouth and I will help both of you speak. I will teach you what to do. I will be right next to you. I will tell you what to speak and I will teach you what to do on the road. Friends, you don't have to f- have figured out in your calling what every step is along the journey because you're probably not ready for that step out there. But I promise you in this step, God is going to be right there next to you. And God is going to teach you what you need in the next step. So as we're walking through life and and struggling with what we're going through right now, know that, that this trajectory that you're on is part of the journey that God is bringing you along. And that God is teaching you something in this step so that he can do something 40 years down the road that lines up with your calling. Church, this requires us in the midst of our lives to stay connected to God. Don't miss this. Us to, take, to trust each step must mean that we are connected to God. Must mean that we are, uh, as, as, as Ryan read at the beginning of this service, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I connect to me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. The fruit of our ministry comes from being connected to God and then taking the next yes, stepping into the next yes. So church, I don't know what that looks like for you, but I pray as we continue in worship that God would continue to to stir in your heart to bring forward those things. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.